0: Hello, thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy this sermon podcast. Good morning, Downtown Hope. Um, It is a a joy to be here again, second time. uh, Apparently, I did an okay enough job the first time I spoke that they allowed me to come back, (laughs) Um, but I am so thankful for you, and honestly, I'm so thankful for the Downtown Hope team in general, um, people that are on staff, and people that are volunteer. Um, It is so cool to see the work that God's doing in this crazy season, and it also creates in me anticipation for what He's going to do in the coming months and years, and um, you know, this season has really ultimately reminded all of us what really matters in life, and as we launch different community groups, discipleship bands um, this past month, I'm praying that you get connected into one of these communities. Uh, as we con- continue in our series, Press On, which is a journey through the book of Philippians, um, let's just remember real quickly what we have learned over the past two weeks. See, we remember now from uh, the past two week messages that Paul's in prison right now. He's in shackles when he's writing this message to the Philippians because he was preaching Christ as king. Um, and obviously the Roman Empire has a king in their mind. And so there's a lot of tension there. It's the main reason he's in, jur- in jail. Um, we know that he's writing to the church in Philippi to encourage them as they face hardship and we know that he has strong connections to this church because it was the church that he uh, was involved with starting and planting in the book of Acts. Uh, We learned in week one about how encouragement is important as we continue uh, working to encourage everybody on a daily basis. Uh, We learned last week how the gospel brought Paul freedom even though he was still in chains. How Paul experienced freedom from the chains of his heart, free from sin, free from bondage, and how this physical The physical chains now that he had only really served three purposes because of his spiritual chains being broken. Those three purposes were to bring glory to Christ to liberate others and for our gratification. And now that we uh, have briefly reflected, um, let's let's read our passage today and I want you to join me from Philippians chapter one as we read verses 18 to 30. Open up your Bibles or open up your gathering guide. It says this, that yes, I will rejoice I am hard pressed between the two and my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account." Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Verse 27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you in your, and, or I am absent, I may hear the fact that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign sign of them for their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for books like Philippians for truths that are displayed in the midst of lives. Lord, if Paul writes these things down, but Lord, the spirit that is inside of him is what creates and cultivates your scripture. God, we thank you for these truths like we read today, these verses that maybe we've heard so many times. God, I pray that today we would walk away with tangible understanding of what it looks like to press on in the midst of hard circumstance. We ask all these things in your name, amen. So the title of today's message is In Tune, and and it's really about how to joyfully press on. Uh, We're gonna be looking kind of at three keys to pressing on in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of hard seasons, temptations, um, and, and to do it like Paul did it, right, with joy. And I wanna start today with a bit of transparency. I want you to allow, I wanna allow you just to get to know me a little bit more by maybe giving you a little bit more of a recent glimpse into my life. So when I started full-time ministry in May of 2012, one week after graduating from college, my first full-time position was at a Methodist church as a youth director. My first day on the job, three days after our graduation ceremony, two students were driving to school, and their car was hit by a train. One of the girls passed away. And fresh out of college, with very little training and counseling, I had to go into this public school, counsel kids who I did not know, who lost their friend tragically. It was raw, real, and really hard. And, and I learned a lot through my experiences at that um, job that I held there. And throughout the three years that I was there, I also made a lot of mistakes. I built a ministry that was really centered around my gift set. And the way I really knew that was when I ended up leaving, what was left was nothing because everything was built around me. And there is a program there that was siloed. It was disconnected from the larger body, and I really didn't have a holistic family perspective. After three years there, God called me back to my home church in Central PA, um, and I served there as the youth pastor for a little bit over five years before getting married and feeling called to Downtown Hope. And during this time, I was licensed, I was ordained through the Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, and I really did grow tremendously. But it wasn't always, you know, rainbows and butterflies, right? And and without oversharing and without saying things that I shouldn't, all I want you to know is that I really did come here to Downtown Hope in this season of my life, pretty hurt and discouraged with ministry in general. And all I, I'm sharing this with you to bring about a point that life doesn't always seem enjoyable and pleasant, right? And and sometimes the people in the communities actually who we expect to be the most positive um, can actually really turn around and, and do the opposite and hurt us. And these situations in life are inevitable, but what discourages me the most is not so much the circumstance of this season, but my inability to press on joyfully. I really beat myself up. You know, and as Christians, it's so funny because we have so many of these verses in Philippians and if, if I, they are used all over the place and, and they're what I like to call coffee cup verses, right? If you think about it, it's the verses that you see on coffee cups that people sit next to their Bible, they take a picture of it and post it on Instagram so everybody knows they're doing their devotions in the morning. It's those kinds of verses that we find in Philippians for like Philippians 1, 6, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Sometimes these verses and personal realities for Paul for me, they seem so cliche. Sometimes they seem so unrealistic or unattainable to us. They have been in good encouragement, right? Good enough to be on a coffee cup, but they have, really, have they really been a motto for our daily lives? Seeing things in light of the gospel is so helpful, like we learned about last week. And encouraging one another all the time is so vital. But, but really, what does that look like in reality to practically press on like Paul? What are the tangible things that we need to do individually to not be tossed back and forth like waves in the ocean? How do we face any situation and circumstance the way that Paul did? And how can we have that sense of joy that permeates Paul's life even when he's chained up in shackles in prison? You see, there's a tension between knowing these things and actually believing and experiencing it. And I compare myself to Paul here and, and it almost sounds like he's marching to a different tune. It almost sounds like he's singing a different melody than the one that I am. Sometimes it feels like he is living with a completely different composition or song than the one that I'm experiencing. And I'm gonna actually have our musicians come up here because in a second I wanna give you a little glimpse into this tension because as he was shackled in prison, Paul says, yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So I think to myself, what is different about Paul? Was he just more of an optimist? Was he just pretending and going through the motions? How does Paul make these claims and believe these things while the situation is not enjoyable whatsoever? There's a tension when his tune and the composition it seems like he's living by is different than mine. It's a tension that made me think of a concert. I compared it to a concert. Have you ever been to a concert, a show, or any sort of musical experience where someone drastically messed up or they started in the wrong key? Like, have you ever been in that moment where it's like super awkward, there's a lot of tension and it's apparent that they significantly blew it? I, I want, in order to help you understand this tension, I want to real quickly use these awesome volunteers who are more like voluntold to do a quick analogy for me. So they've, they've, they've come up with a quick rendition. So you guys go ahead and give me a four count and start playing. all oh, right all right all right, right, right thank thank you thank you thank you so what were you guys playing uh, rescue. Rescue. oh you were probably playing the different different sheet music wasn't it you all right you know the right song to play so both play the same key the same sheet music give it to me one more time wow thank you uh, that's much better man you guys thank you so much honestly I set them up that way, so if you think it sounded bad, it's because it was meant to sound bad. It's not because they are bad musicians, because they are phenomenal. Um, The tension sometimes in life feels like a different song. It feels like two songs that are clashing, like that noise, and it makes you cringe, right? And you know, it's. can you see though, for example, I'd give this very simple brief explanation to show you how much the right sheet music can make a difference. Like if you show up to practice at this band with the wrong sheet music, the first sound is what you're gonna get. And if we're gonna press on and sing the same tune as Paul, we have to have the right music. And, and the first key to pressing on with joy like Paul does is to check your sheet music. If we really desire to live with joy like Paul, we have to make sure we are following the right music. The composition that Paul is referencing and encouraging the Philippians to look at is for his life, the composition that he refers to for his life is the composition of the gospel. See, if you're struggling to see God's hand in the symphony of life, you must make sure that you aren't trying to play a song that wasn't meant for you to play. See, the reason Paul has the perspective that he does is because He is constantly focusing on the composition of the gospel. He is focusing on the specific notes that make this beautiful sound in our world and in our lives. See, Paul can say to live is Christ and to die is gain because he knows the Messiah. And he knows the implications of that relationship for him and he is encouraging every single one of us in the church in Philippi to do the same. What Paul is ultimately doing here is he's reminding the church in Philippi and us of the reality of the gospel. He is reminding them of the implications of it for their lives. In this verse, Paul is reminding them of the melody that has already been written, the truth that we can go anywhere, we can face any situation and circumstance, we can be taken to any location and know that God will take care of us until he's ready to call us home. So, so how can we check that? How can we make sure that we're referencing, that we're leaning into, that we are playing from the right composition? We just need to compare The music with the sheet music of the gospel, the notes that are playing out in your life, the fruits that are coming out in your daily walk, compare those notes to the notes of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're struggling to press on, it might be because you have been referencing the wrong sheet music. The gospel song, is the one that allows you to rest and not feel like you have to control things because you understand that God is sovereign. The gospel song allows you to work with a light yoke because you realize that your work, your title, and your salary and income do not define who you are. When learned and understood, this song reminds you that your past, your present, and your future is only and will only ever be defined by the love of Jesus for you. And so we can easily be sh- distracted by other songs that seem to sound more appealing in the moment. And all they do, all these other songs do is make more clanging, tension noise that just w- makes you cringe. More noise that distracts you from the original composition of the, bo- the, the, the gospel. Some examples of those songs that take away from that composition include you know, songs of moralism. The songs where we attempt to deal with our own spiritual failures through trying harder. Right, that's the exhausting song. Songs of mysticism, our emotions and feelings are actually what define truth for us on a day-by-day basis. The better we feel, the more blessed we must be. It's a roller coaster. Songs of prosperity, God will bless me financially if I'm obedient, and then we end up just doing things and playing music so that we can receive things as a result. Songs of insecurity, I might as well give up because I'm a failure. See, these songs all play out as notes of anxiety of fear all these other stipulations and things that the bible references as like certain items that are manifested because of unbelief in our life but there's one thing i want you to hear is that you worship either a sovereign powerful god or you serve an ineffectual ineffectual weak one right and we need to train our eyes to see through the lens of scripture Become a student of God's composition. Understand the different areas of that composition. The rests, the pauses, the eighth notes, the whole notes, the whole thing. The first thing we need to do to press on like Paul is to check our sheet music. Making sure that we actually know the song of the gospel. The song that says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The song that says before you were born, God knew you and he had a plan for you. The song that says in Christ, you are actually a new creation and he has separated you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. The psalm that says you have been given the Holy Spirit, you have been marked with the seal, and now you have access to the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the right sheet music. And that is why Paul can say, while in chains, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is so important that we start with the right music, but the sheet music still needs to be played, right? Like we realize that we don't just have to know the music but it's supposed to actually make a sound in our lives. The composition on paper is beautiful, but it's, but it's not understood or experienced in its fullness until the orchestra sits down and plays it. When Paul says in verse 27, only let, your ma- only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. He is encouraging them to also take part in playing the composition of the gospel here. See, I wonder if the Philippians felt like their lives were worthy of the gospel. I wonder if they felt like they were standing firm together in one mind and one spirit. I wonder if they were scared about their enemies. Whatever the case, Paul calls them back to the composition of the gospel and then gives them an understanding of what his part is and what our part is. See, sometimes you have the right music, but when it comes to actually playing it, it takes effort, and it could be a different ballgame. I was in choir in high school, mainly because everybody else was, and it was an easy A. I was also a bad student, so students don't take any sort of, um, what it, any sort of advice from me what it means to be a good student in school. Um, I had some rough years, but I was in choir, got an A in choir, and... Um, But uh, we had a big concert at the end of every year, it's called the Pops Concert. It was the most well attended, people loved it, it was upbeat, high energy. My junior year, um, unfortunately, we had to do the music and choreography from High School Musical, okay? Uh, I'm not an avid High School Musical fan, Uh, (laughs) but if you are, no hard feelings. But it was difficult because if you've seen the movie, there's a lot of times where they actually have choreography that like involves dribbling basketballs. And so we had to learn how to sing, dribble basketballs, and do all these things simultaneously in line with the music and the people. And we actually got it and it was great, right? So, but, but during the performance, right, the live performance, the seats are packed in the auditorium. Um, there was this guy, pretty crazy friend of mine named T-Man. Um, I don't even know why they call him T-Man, so obviously you can tell that we were really close. Um, but he decided to go off script in the midst of his, uh, this, this performance. So no joke, during the part where we were dribbling basketballs as one of the sections, T-Man decides to jump off the stage, run in the auditorium dribbling a basketball in and out of, through the aisleways of our high school auditorium. And being a high school guy, it was hard not to smile or get a good chuckle out of that, but it was not one of those things that anybody really wanted to laugh at. Because as funny as it was at the time, it really was a distraction it took away from the audience's overall enjoyment and to say that our choir director was angry was an understatement but the reality is is that sometimes we do the same thing in life right like in seasons where we're feeling pressures from many angles in an attempt to press on we can we can go off script right we can try and take matters into our own hands and and i share this story to bring about the next insight into pressing on and And it's that once you have the right sheet music, we need to stick to our part, okay? See, we all have a part to play in this composition of the gospel. And whether you are playing first chair trumpet or you're clinging the triangle once or twice the whole song, you play an important part in the sound of the overall song. Your role, your part in the gospel symphony is believing that the gospel establishes and continues our acceptance before God. See, your part of the symphony of life is to believe that the gospel offers us the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, freely given to us when we experience repentance from sin and faith in Christ on our behalf. See, this undeserved righteousness remains our gift from God forever. Never was there, is there, or will will there be a moment when we stand accepted by God on the basis of anything other than the righteousness of who Jesus is in his life. You see, it's important that we start here because you're a part, or the main role that you are called to play is to believe. To believe what? The composition of the gospel and the notes that make it what it truly is. You see, we talk a lot about transformation here, but when transformation loses its dependence on the gospel, it easily becomes more about what we're doing to achieve a righteous life that reflects our spiritual disciplines than about what God is doing to produce a righteous life that reflects the power of the gospel. See, certainly the scriptures talk both about obedience and and God's working in our life, but the primary focus of transformation is God's working through the gospel to transform our hearts and minds. You see, that God is the one who gives us the ability to play our part in the first place. The outward transformation of obedience is empowered by the inward transformation of our mind being filled with love and thankfulness for Jesus. You have a part to play, and your part is believing. See, in the words of Jeff Vanderstel, he says that the work that we are called to do is to rest from our own work to make ourselves right with God and believe in the work of Jesus on our behalf. That's our part. I'm not ignoring the Great Commission or other commands in scripture because I just know from personal experience that the Great Commission and commands of scripture, they will become a religion if you aren't following the right composition, if you aren't doing it with the right heart. And when we have the right sheet music and when we play our part, those things will come naturally. But this is how you press on. If each person is doing this, we will make a beautiful sound for the world to hear about our salvation through Christ. This is how our lives become worthy of the gospel. This is how we stand firm in our faith. This is how we press on with unity in one mind, in one spirit. The gospel needs to be the filter for how we think, how we feel, and how we perceive everything in light of what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. But the reality is, is that even when we know our part and we have the right music, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we forget, right? And that's, this is why we've been pushing community groups and discipleship bands. That's why Paul tells us and tells them to be of one mind and one spirit. You can't do this on your own. And quite honestly, we all forget the truth of the gospel composition, of who we are, of who God is, and what he's done for us, and the implications of that for our lives. Community groups and discipleship bands were formed because we need to remind each other to check our sheet music. And we need to remind each other and help one another play our parts of believing in the gospel. Once you check your sheet music and begin to learn how to play, we're still gonna make mistakes. So if both of those things are in line and we're pursuing Christ, how do we press on? And more specifically, how do we press on like Paul joyfully, knowing we are still living in a fallen world and we are still going to have moments when we fall out of tune. We're still gonna have moments when we mess up and when we sin, when we try and take the lead role because we think a different note would sound better. If you're like me, I get discouraged pretty quickly, like I said in the beginning of this message. In tough seasons, it's hard, to experience joy. And I think a lot of Christians, if we're being honest, get stuck here. We get stuck here during the hard, the tough seasons, the trials. um, Our faith can start to feel more like a monotonous religion and we question how far God is away. We know the music. We know the truth surrounding who God is. If you've been raised in the church, you know what I'm talking about. But our feelings and our thoughts don't seem to line up with these truths. And the reality is that joy doesn't always feel the way that we think it should. You see, if you're like me, I get so discouraged when I don't feel joyful. I'm like, who, I thought I was, a, I, I just feel so ungrateful in this situation, and I, I beat myself up, but like I, you know, I can remain optimistic. I can remain kind of like hopeful about the future, but, but sometimes when I look at these messages like for, from this one today in Philippians chapter one, I, I, I think something's wrong with me. Like, Why does it sound like Paul is singing a different tune? And so too often, I try to muster up joy. I try to convince myself everything is okay. But here is where a lot of us, including myself, have missed the mark, and it's that the joy Paul has here, it's not an overemphasized emotion or blissful state of happiness that you're missing. It's an understanding and a belief. And so hear me out, because this is crucial as we close today, that joy is instrumental in order to press on. So how is joy attained? How does it actually play out in seasons where it's hard, unfair, just plain difficult? If you've ever played in a band before, you know how easy it is to get off beat, right? I had a friend in college who played drums and he loved the sound of his own drum a lot. And in fact, he was the guy that always played too loud. He always did too many fills and added too many things, always got off beat and always got off rhythm. Um, He wasn't never playing the song the way that it was supposed to be played. And so every time, almost every practice, I would have to stop. I would have to say, okay, stop everybody. And I would look at the drummer and I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna put this metronome on here. And, I'm gonna, and I wanted him to simply start following the metronome with his kick drum. So it would just be like a thunk thunk, thunk thunk. thunk right? And so we would always resort back in that, in that moment to the simplistic kind of bass notes that carry the tempo of the song. And so when you mess up or when hard circumstances hit, I want us to understand that we just need to focus on the base notes of the composition of the gospel. Focus on the cadence and the metronome. Take it one beat at a time. And let me explain real quickly. Last week I heard something that really helped me understand how Paul pressed on. The speaker asked why we so often equate joy with an emotion. And he elaborated on how Christians see joy as happiness or excitement. But then he went on to say that joy, and listen to this, was never in the emotion category. He said that joy was in the moral category. Joy is what sits underneath other emotions and expressions like anger, lament, disappointment, frustration, see, joy sits under emotion like a constant bass note that is always underlying, maintaining rhythm and keeping the song on track. See, joy might not play out as a happy-go-lucky emotion, even though sometimes it can come through that way, but joy, being in the moral category, is less about a feeling and more about a truth. It's how Christians can rejoice when a believer passes away, right? There is mourning and it, it is sad, but the truth is that we know where they are. Joy can look a whole lot like mourning, Right? And our joy is based on that. John Piper, to end today, puts it this way. And so in one way to understand the daily work of a Christian is simply as continued remembering of the fact that is the objective reality. It is the objective reality, not the subjective experience that defines me. Our experience of the Spirit's joy does not define our assurance of the Spirit's presence. See, joy often does not look like what we expect it to He says that the most sublime joy actually involves more tears than smiles. Laughter is at times not an indicator of joy, but simply an overflow of misery. As Proverbs 14.3 says, even in laughter, my heart may ache. Indicating that other times we can be happy on the inside while appearing sad on the outside. Just because a certain part is hard to hear doesn't mean it's not there. Another way of saying that is joy is not in the emotion category, it's in the moral one. Joy comes from the moral truths of the gospel. When hard times come and we're trying to press on, remember the base notes of the gospel, uh, the composition of the gospel, that you have been forgiven, that you've been set free, that you've been given access to things that you could never have had access to through Jesus Christ. You have a guaranteed inheritance, an heir to the throne. Your past is redeemed. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was sufficient to satisfy God on your behalf. Those bass notes, loved, cherish, heir to the throne, fully known and fully loved. The church is in a season where we're being reset. We're being called back to what really matters the beautiful simplicity of the gospel, God's word and his work in our lives. And this season, I pray that you check your song with the composition of the gospel. You take your part, believing the gospel seriously, and remember to focus on the bass notes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, even when we try to work and we try to prove ourselves, and we find, try to find value and worth, and we try to write our own music, um, Lord, you remind us that <laughs> all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus on our behalf. And Lord, in that moment, when we do that, the composition comes to life, and you give us in that moment the ability to play, the ability to believe, the ability to see things that we've never seen before. Lord, I pray for this body, this season. God, that we would be a a body that is not worried about necessarily all the fruits of our lives and, and the notes, but that we would take into consideration those notes and those fruits and that we would ask each other, what's really at the bottom of that? Do we believe that our God is all-powerful, sovereign, and in control? Or are we serving gods that are weak and fragile? We ask all these things in your name. Amen.